Young men have been betrayed. They've been sold a lie. They've been robbed, really. We get him lit up for a purpose to get him some good mentors and get him out there challenging himself. It's amazing to see the transformation. Men, unless you are living, reaching for a higher version of yourself, you will descend into a lower version of yourself. You need men around you who can teach you what it, what it means to be a man, why you're a man. You, you tend to think, this generation, you tend to think that the only difference between you and a woman is body parts, uh, but that's not true. Um, if we don't challenge men to be their best, if we don't call them up higher, if we don't give them a mission and a purpose and a battle, uh, yeah, then they're going to descend. They're going to descend into alcohol and drugs. They're going to descend into porn and, and sit there on the couch, you know, job of the hut, uh, you know, with no purpose. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo. And we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is someone I've interviewed on my business podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. This gentleman is one of the leading thinkers when it comes to issues surrounding men and masculinity. He's written a fantastic book called Masculine's Book for Manly Men. Our guest today is Stephen Mansfield. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Great to be with you again, man. Thanks for having me. I'm blessed and grateful that you're here, sir. Stephen, if anything, in the preceding four years since we last uh, had our hour-long chat, things have changed pretty dramatically when it comes to men and masculinity out in our world. And I think it's especially appropriate to have somebody who thinks about these issues deeply to come and chat with us. So before we get into it, maybe you could tell us a little bit about you. I know you and I know about your work, but not everybody on this podcast does. And then let's dive into the rest of the conversation. Sure, happy to do it. Um, I am probably best known as a New York Times bestselling author. I've written a lot of books, uh, most of them about faith and what I call the intersection of the real world. I've written a book about faith and the Guinness Company, faith in George W. Bush's presidency, faith in Barack Obama's presidency, uh, faith in Abraham Lincoln, faith in uh, Winston Churchill. So leadership principles, uh, their principles of faith, etc., uh, and I've, I've enjoyed writing those. I've had been concerned about men in the last years. And so I have uh, written three books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, uh, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire. And uh, that's helped to feed uh, the same men, men's movement you're part of uh, all over the world, trying to get men to realize what's happening to them in modern society. Uh, I've started both a website and a, and a, a podcast called Great Man. So guys can check that out at greatman.tv and, uh, and do a lot of speaking and a lot of work and uh, now starting to do a lot of fundraising to really uh, fund distributing this, these materials in other parts of the world where guys can't afford them. So uh, I think manhood is in a downward spiral in our generation. I think we can turn it in our generation and I'm devoted to doing it. God bless you for doing that, my friend. You know, I was talking to my friend, Ryan Mickler, who runs the Order of Man and has the Order of Man podcast, and he's got about a thousand men in his movement. I aim to have 10,000 men in our movement. 
And I thought to myself, if there were 10,000 guys like me and Ryan and you, and we each had 10,000 men in our movements that were engaged in conversations on a, on a regular basis, on a weekly, bi-weekly, et cetera, basis, 10,000 times 10,000, still only a hundred million men, a hundred million yeah. men. I mean, you, Ryan, myself, Larry Hagner, and a bunch of other folks, let's say there was 10 of us that each had 10,000 men. That's only a hundred thousand men. That's a small town. That's not even close to making the dent we need to make. So the more of us can create our, our own ecosystem of helping other men understand that there's a crisis in, in manhood and in masculinity out in the world today. And what are the issues that encompass this crisis and how we can basically turn things around is a fabulous conversation to have. So let's dive right into it. Tell me in your view, what are the key elements of the crisis in masculinity that we face today? Well, let me just say a quick word of encouragement to you, and that is that history is not ruled by the majority. It's ruled by the dedicated minority. So even though we're not numerous, we, we, we can turn this thing. Um, I, I, think the key, I think the key elements uh, have to do, obviously, with the sexual revolution coming out of the 60s, how that's morphed into uh, a view that all masculinity is toxic. Uh, this is what's being taught in the universities. This is what's being written in the books. Um, so there's, there's that historical view. Uh, there's a huge amount of sexual confusion and a resistance to what's called binary genderism and things of that nature. Uh, again, all of this arising from the universities. But I'll tell you, quite frankly, most of the price crisis of men is not intellectual and philosophical. Most of it's relational. Uh, there's been a, dis dis a generational disconnect because of fatherlessness. Uh, we all know that if we had fathers in the home, if there were, were divorces and deaths and, and uh, just absenteeism and so on. Uh, there, there were often men sitting there watching TV, drinking their beer, who weren't engaged with their sons, who weren't engaged with their daughters. And so that caused a real problem. Uh, so you had this generational disconnect. Uh, and then you had a lack of mentors. Uh, and those mentors who were there uh, weren't mentors who knew anything about masculinity. So young men were shaped by coaches. They were shaped by uncles. They were shaped by friends. They were shaped by what was being talked about in the locker room. Um, and as, as a result, they became, quite frankly, in many cases, not every case, because I think coaches are some of the best guys out there. Uh, but in some cases, uh, they, they were more, became more the problem than they were the solution. So I'll have to say a lack of models, uh, a lack of men understanding what masculinity was intended for, uh, generational disconnects, father-son disconnects, no men in the home, et cetera. Um, and then, of course, the assault of society that treats all masculinity and all manhood as though it's toxic. And, and, and then I'll have to say one other thing uh, while I'm ranting on, and that is that men, unless you are living, reaching for a higher version of yourself, you will descend into a lower version of yourself. And that's, that's, that means that, in other words, if there's not a magnetic pull to being a great man, uh, men, men themselves will descend into the lesser version of themselves. So you have all these forces uh, working against a man. And if he's not got good mentors, if he's not got a band of brothers, if he's not got a code, if he's not got an understanding of what masculinity is, then he's going to descend into becoming exactly what we're seeing dominate our society, which ain't good. No, it ain't good at all. You know, one of my mentors is a fellow by the name of Justin Sterling. I don't know if you've heard of Justin Sterling and his work. Sterling Men's Weekend uh, is yes. a program that's been happening since the late 70s. And he also does a Sterling Women's Weekend. One of the things that he says is that men are inherently lazy. There is a tendency to becoming the lazy loiterer. So unless you have a purpose and you're moving toward that purpose, left to your own devices, you know, lay on the couch, watch the game, drink a beer, eat bonbons, chips, 
and really not do a whole heck of a lot. And you see that happening for so many young men today. They live in their parents' basements. They're playing video games. Maybe they're not lying on the couch. They're sitting in a chair, but the effect is still the same. And they're not really seeking out a higher purpose. So what do you say to those young men right now who are trapped in that mindset? How do we help them get out of that mindset? Yeah, we've got a lot of fire in their souls. And that's why, of course, we're all doing what we're doing. But these young men need to realize the waters that they've been, they've, they've come, come of age in. It's still frog in the kettle image. You know, you, you've been cooked in certain juices. You've been shaped by certain forces. And that's robbed you of your inner fire. You need men around you who can teach you what it, what it means to be a man, why you're a man. You, you tend to think, this generation, you tend to think that the only difference between you and a woman is body parts. Uh, but that's not true. It's certainly part of the truth that there are, there's a difference of body parts. Uh, but there's a whole different wiring in your soul, a whole different way that you're made, a whole different thing that lights you up, a whole different thing you were designed for. And yeah, Mr. Sterling is right. Um, if we don't challenge men to be their best, if we don't call them up higher, if we don't give them a mission and a purpose and a battle, uh, yeah, then they're going to descend. They're going to descend into alcohol and drugs. They're going to descend into porn and, and sitting there on the couch, you know, job of the hut, uh, you know, with no purpose. And that and we've seen that kind of masculinity and society is encouraging that kind of masculinity. So uh, young men have been betrayed. That's really what I want to understand. Uh, they've been betrayed, they've been sold a lie, uh, they've been robbed, really. And I'll tell you what excites me is when I see a young guy who, as you say, is living in his parents' basement and watching TV and, you know, doing all the things that porn encourages and not living any purpose. We get him lit up for a purpose to get him some good mentors and get him out there challenging himself. It's amazing to see the transformation. So that's why a lot of why I'm committed to what I'm committed to. Amen. Yeah, me too. You know, one of the things I say is inside every man is a badass and a warrior. And he was put here on this earth to live life, to be the best version of himself. And if he's not doing that, really, he's selling out on the birthright that God gave him. Yeah, that's exactly right. But somebody's got to tell him what that is. You know, I had certain advantages. I grew up in the home of a good man. He wasn't the most engaged father. He was a military officer, special forces, fought in wars, was an athlete. Uh, I never I never had to worry about him coming in my room late at night and doing anything nasty. I never had to, never once saw him mistreat my mother, never once saw him mistreat my sister. So was he the perfect man? No, there is no perfect man, except, you know, in my opinion, as a Christian, Jesus Christ. Amen. But But what I'm saying is in this life, my father was a fine example. So I grew up in a situation where I was challenged to, to ascend. I was challenged to challenge myself. I, I engaged in sports. We traveled a great deal because of my father's career. I saw other cultures. I was encouraged to read. I had certain advantages. And so I understand that a young man who doesn't have a father in the home and uh, doesn't have those kinds of challenges, uh, you know, that he may, he may just descend to his lesser self, but we got a lot of fire in his soul. We've got to help him. I, I, I really want to see a little bit of anger in young men like that once, once they understand that they've been betrayed. I don't want them to hate their father or their mother or often these mothers are doing fantastic, heroic work uh, compensating for two parents. But I do want them to feel like, hey, man, nobody told me what I was made for. Now that I know I'm on fire and I don't ever plan to go back to where I was. And that kind of attitude makes all the difference. Well, let's talk about that for a couple moments. Let's unpack a bit of what you said. Yeah, moms are doing heroic work, but here's the facts. The facts are, are very straightforward. A, a woman, no matter how much she loves her son, cannot teach that boy how to become a man. 
period, full stop, end of story. Anyone who pretends otherwise is full of hooey. Okay, let's leave it at that. This, so we need to help mothers and single mothers see the importance of having a man uh, in their boy's life. So for a daughter, it's important to have a, a man around because you know they want to learn what kind of man to look for. And if that man's a good father, he's going to model that for them. And hopefully they'll marry a man who embodies a lot of the values and virtues that that man has. But if, if the mother's around, at least they'll learn how to be a woman from their mother. But a son can't learn how to be a man from his mother. He needs to learn it from a father or at least a, a father figure in his life. And, and, I, and I believe that's a big part of why boys today are feeling so lost and young men today are feeling lost. And frankly, even men in their 40s and 50s are feeling lost because they didn't have that. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, we don't want to put on mothers the obligation to make young men into men. Uh, all I'm saying is that I'm grateful, given, given the absolute stunning plague of absenteeism of fathers, that a great many mothers have understood what their sons need uh, and put them into the lives of other men. You know, one of the great stats that should encourage us is that, that if there's not a father in the home, other men around that young man uh, can make as much as a 70 or 80 percent difference that the father would have made. Now, that's good news. Otherwise, if your father up and leaves when you're one year old, you're screwed. But other men can, can step into the young man's life, mentor him, father him, uncles, brothers, uh, pastors, other leaders can step into that young man's life. And, and smart mothers make sure that their sons are with these men and that these, these men are mentoring their sons. So I certainly don't believe that that, that moms alone can call out the best in a young man. And that's not the ideal situation, but no, thank God for the point. valiant moms who have understood what a man, young man needs, uh, or we'd have an even bigger plague because the plague of fatherlessness would be, uh, would be the terminal you know, statement on this generation. Well, listen, for any man who leaves his family, that's a bad thing, but the, here are the cold hard facts. 70% of all divorces of families are initiated by women. They're not initiated by men. And frankly, a lot of the women that initiate these divorces are being encouraged by society and by their friends. I'm a divorced father. My wife chose to leave our marriage. I didn't want to leave the marriage. I fought hard to keep our marriage together. She had people around her who said, yeah, I'll leave. You know, it's good. Divorce is okay. Divorce is fine. I talked to a lot of women right now that have gone through divorce. And what they'll tell you 5, 10, 15 years later is I wish I never did it. Right. It was, yes. it, was, it was a horrible experience. I wish I'd kept the family together, but society right now is encouraging them to do this. It's feeding into the dark shadow side of women. There's a dark shadow side to women. There's a dark shadow side to men, you know, and, and it's having them go and feed that part of them that gets angry and stays angry and doesn't want to forgive, doesn't want to forget. And that's not a good thing. That's messing up our society. And I think part of our role has got to be to say, hey, ladies, hey, women, you know what? You've been fed a bill of goods since the 60s. This bill of goods is not a good bill of goods. And there's an author by the name of Kent Clisby. He's a former CIA case officer. He wrote a book called Willing Accomplices back in 2012. And in there, he outlines a thesis. And part of his thesis is that what's going on in Western society today really was started back in 1917 by Vladimir Lenin, when Vladimir Lenin defeated the czar took over Russia, turned it communist. He had a vision to turn the whole world, one world communist revolution. He sent some of his acolytes, in particular, a German man named William Unsenberg to North America with instructions to start destabilizing some of its institutions from within. They targeted academia. They targeted 
uh, newspapers at the time, media, and they targeted um, Hollywood storytelling. If you look at stories, academia, newspapers from 100 years ago, they were all very patriotic. They all focused on the virtues of freedom and the virtues of a traditional Christian nuclear family. Not today, not anymore. And in the 80s, when we won the Cold War, former KGB officers said, you guys think you won? You didn't win. You just won a battle. Let's see if you're going to win the war. And today, countries like China, countries like Russia, emphasize masculine, manly education for their boys, while our country <laughs> and the West in general is emphasizing a confusion of the genders, and they're emphasizing boys being taught that traditional, strong masculinity is a bad thing. It's toxic. And they're teaching girls. If, if you look at stories coming out of Hollywood, they've got women in superhero positions beating up men that are 250 pounds. Now, wonderful story and all, but that's not reality. I wouldn't want to see a, a young girl go to a jujitsu class, weigh 120 pounds and take on a 250 pound criminal thug. It's probably not going to go too well for her. And we need to address that too. We can't pretend that's not happening either. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I think you can, you you find that there uh, were a number of incursions from Marxism, from secularism uh, that occurred in the middle of the last century that we are reaping the fruits of. And that's why we've got to get people to wake up a little bit. We've got to get people to battle back and we've got to restore the family. And that of course comes from restoring noble manhood for the most part. So I could, I, I agree with you very much. No, oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. So, Stephen, let's let's talk about some of the things that I think every man can can benefit from. You know, number one is you got to find a band of brothers. You got to join a group like one of Stephen's groups, one of my groups, Ryan Mickler's, et cetera, et cetera. Find one that fits for you. Don't do it alone. Men have had bands of brothers for millennia. We've been getting together around the fire. We've been getting together around a dinner table. We've been getting together in all kinds of ways. So you got to have a band of brothers. What are some other things that are important for men to take on in order to be able to step into what you call noble manhood? Well, and I want to say that it's not just a matter of finding a band of brothers, although I, of course, completely agree with that. I wrote a book on it. Uh, but it's also with that band of brothers having a free fire zone. Uh, those who have served in the military know that usually has to do with the you know, condition of the ROE on the battlefield. Uh, but but what I what you want is not just a bunch of guys sitting around smoking stogies and talking about life. You want, and as much as I'm in favor of both of those, um, but what you want is uh, some guys who are able, whom you've given permission to speak into your life in any area that needs correction. Uh, I often tell the story that I, I had somebody handed me a picture not too long ago, and it's a picture of, uh, of, a, of a guy at a party. I said, "Who's that?" He said, "It's you, fool." And sure enough, I looked at it carefully. It was, it was me. You know how you can get a picture taken on a bad moment. You know, I was halfway into a blink and I, my shirt was stretched over my stomach and I was sunk into a couch down in the basement during this party and had about 19 Oreos in my mouth. And I looked like Jabba the Hutt on a bad day. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I got to thinking, you know, if I can look like that physically and not even know that it's possible, I wonder what's going on in the inside of me that I don't see. So I want to make clear that, yeah, you want a band of brothers, but what you want that band of brothers to be about at the core is the free fire zone. Anything that needs to be said to make me better will be said. Nobody's going to sit around wringing their hands and wondering who's going to talk to Mansfield. You confront me. You talk to me about my weight. You talk to me about my language. You talk to me about whatever. Uh, dropping the F-bomb, whatever it is that you see that needs to be improved so I can be a good and noble man. And I'm going to do the same for you. We're going to have each other's back. We're going to coach each other. We're going to become the man we need to be. 
You also want to be feeding in your life a vision for noble manhood. Uh, there's a great men's movement out there. There are great books. You mentioned Ryan, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, other guys, John Eldridge, other guys writing books, doing good stuff. You want to get the podcast like this one. Uh, you want to be feeding, you know, garbage in, garbage out, so to speak. Many, most of the average man in America is watching eight hours of television a day, and most of it's crap. Uh, you want to change your diet. You want to read good books. You want to get exposed to these good podcasts. You want to watch good video series. You want to start feeding a, vi a vision of what it means to be a, a man, how what God intended, uh, what pumps in your soul, what your strengths are there for. Uh, that's absolutely vital. And and then of course you want to begin to live it out, and that's where you need men to help you help you walk that out uh, in, in power. And I'll tell you, for me, uh, and I think for most men, there's a very strong connection between the physical uh, and what we are on the inside. And so I don't mean to say that being a good man is all about going to the weight room, but for me, it's a lot about going to the weight room. Uh, it's a lot about being in good physical shape. It's about, about a lot about working out. When I let my body go, when I let myself slack, when I let my diet slack, and all that. Uh, then things start to weaken and soften on the inside that uh, that cause all kinds of problems. And so I think that that men need to decide. You know, I, I see some of these websites that are kind of I think they're kind of cute. Eat meat, lift heavy weights, you know, that kind of. And I and I and I can have fun with them. But I think there's there's some real, real good core truth there uh, that we've got to reclaim our bodies, uh, especially for the job of the hut couch potatoes who are sitting in their parents basement, you know, watching porn and playing video games. You know, that's very true. Uh, like free fire zone. That, 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 I like that phrase. I like that term. You know, um, we call it um, a space where you can let your mask slip. And the analogy is that of a warrior in, in, in ancient times going into battle, you have his battle mask on, right? And that battle mask was there to protect him. But the night before battle, he'd let his mask slip. He'd let his armor down. He'd let his buddies like poke him to see if he was fit to go into battle with him. Because if he wasn't, the guy next to you could get you killed, right? So yeah. this yeah. is just like that. The men got to just poke you and test you. How's things going in your marriage, right? Tell us the truth. Well, I, yeah. One of the things I love, I'm, I'm, I'm basically uh, academically trained as a historian. And so I tend to write a lot about history. And one of my books, I write about the fact that the word integrity uh, comes from the ancient Roman commanders inspecting the troops. And when they did, uh, the trooper would slam his fist and his with his sword in it against his breastplate, and the clang of the sound would tell the commander whether he had integras, the Latin word for wholeness, soundness. In other words, it, it's the same thing you're saying. Uh, the commander would walk the, walk the line, inspect the troops, but he would tell by the clang of the armor if the man was whole, if he was sound, was his voice whole, or was it weak and raspy? Was his armor on right? Did the leather squeak just right, holding those big metal plates together? Uh, did the clang show that it was fastened correctly? In other words, there was a soundness, there was a wholeness to the man's life. And that's really where we get the word integrity. Integrity is not just, you know, whether you're stealing money from the company or not. Uh, or, or whether you're lying, integrity is the soundness of your whole life. And that's why you've got to have men close enough into your life to know the whole of your life. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just be sarcastic here just for a second. You know, um, a lot of the guys that I know are, are, are church guys, and I, I love that. I'm a member of two churches. I, I believe in church. Um, and so, but their version, some of them, of a men's gathering was the monthly men's breakfast, you know, and so these guys would you know, go to the accountability group or whatever, and they'd once a month, they'd go somewhere and they'd eat 
eggs and biscuits. And they were supposed to show up to talk about whatever was wrong in their life. Well, you know, if you're, if you're expecting that to be the solution for most men, it, it's not going to work. Uh, you, first of all, you're assuming the guy's going to figure out what's wrong with them. Second of all, you're assuming he's going to have the courage to hang on to it for three weeks and take it to those guys and that those guys are going to give him any wisdom. I don't need to, I, you don't need to wait until I figure out what's wrong with me. I need guys around me who see it, who see it in 3D, who can confront me and who see it before I do. Um, and so we, we've got to be active in each other's lives. We've got to be up in each other's grills, as the kids say. Uh, we, we've got to help each other and coach each other to be better. And so what I don't want is an accountability group where I just show up having already figured out and made a list of of what I need prayer for, what I need challenge for that day. I need guys who challenge me without having me having to narrate my life. And, and, and our, our age of media presentation and online stuff and everybody crafting their image carefully, I need that to be blown up in my life. I need guys who just get into my life without me having to narrate it for them. And I think that's a real key to a, to a manly growth in our time. Bang on, brother. Bang on. In the groups that I'm a part of, you know, um, we do something called inspection and inspection is just like you said, Roman commander style. And, you know, if I'm the man doing the inspecting, I've got my, my, my gladius out the sharp sword point, And I'm poking away at the man in front of me and saying, all right, what's going on? What's going on in that issue that you said you want inspection on? It can be something to do with his marriage. It could be something to do with his business. It could be something to do with his health. It could be all of the above. It could be the fact that he's decided to be a lazy loiterer for a period in his life and, and he's not really taking any action. And I've been that man. I'll tell you, earlier this year, um, I ran a high-level CEO group and it was going terrifically. And um, I made a mistake. I let someone in the group that I shouldn't have let in. I'll just leave it at that. Not a bad human being. It's just our visions didn't coincide. And, um, you know, if I'm being completely truthful, I didn't, I, I didn't have an exit conversation with him when I should have, because I thought I could just write it out. And that way I, I wouldn't have to have the awkward conversation and refund him his money and all that jazz. And that was a mistake because after a while, dissension had sewn itself into the ranks and a particular thing happened. I didn't handle it in the best way myself. And boom, that CEO group, which was going really strong, was a source of great income for me, as well as a really fantastic group. Terrific idea. It's blown up. You know what I mean? And I've gone into my, my men's group separately and I've had conversations. I said, I'm, I'm feeling terrible about this. You know, I, I, my energy's gone down. I'm not making phone calls the way that I used to make phone calls to, to people in my network and outside of my network. You know, I went from, from just being a masterful enroller uh, to being somebody who hadn't done an enrollment in a month, like not even one, <laughs> you know, mm. and, and all that sort of thing is what the men in the group there to inspect me on and go, okay, what's going on? Why? And it came down to a few things. One is um, my greatest strengths, my greatest weakness. I saw that and I need to not fall into the shadow side of that uh, as much as I did. Uh, and, and secondly, there's a part of me that gets down on myself when I don't get the result. Oh, okay. I must be a loser. This is horrible. And I don't tell anybody that, but it's in my head and it has me stop taking actions. And I'm very grateful for my group. Because without my group, I probably would have wallowed in this for a good long time. You know what I mean? No, this is one of the this is one of the strengths of men uh, that we need to be teaching the young. We inherently, in a healthy situation with a goal and a purpose, we start coaching each other, and that's how we get better. You know, I never took a class in swinging a bat. 
I never took a class in dating a girl. I never, I never read a book about most of the manly things. Guys just taught me stuff, you know? Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in this. You know, you, you put, you put 10 guys on a basketball court who have never met before, divide them up shirts and skins and get them playing basketball with each other. They immediately start coaching each other. They don't even know each other's names, but they'll say, Hey, I'm under, Hey, don't dribble so much. Hey, go ahead and take that shot from the outside. You know, they're just instantly coaching each other. And this is what we've got to have back. Back, you know, I start my talks, many of my talks for men uh, with history, again, being a historian, and I'll show pictures of men, groups of men from, you know, hundreds of years ago. Well, manhood was built in. I mean, the, the, the band of brothers was built in. You know, if you were uh, born on the American frontier, you probably were born into a large family. You probably had four or five men right around in your family. You were part of a a town and you were part of a, a group, you know, they'd come together for defense. They'd come together for their different skills, barrel making or shoe making or whatever. And, and, and men naturally coached each other, taught each other skills, helped each other, supported each other. If one guy was getting drunk and beating his wife, I've actually read the minutes of town meetings where they all marched out there and whooped his backside and said, this is, this is cancer on the community. You stop this, you stop this now, or we'll deal with you. Uh, you know, they policed each other. And this is how men correct each other and coach each other. And I've been the beneficiary tremendously. But the problem today is that men tend to get through high school, college, maybe early army or an early career, and they start to isolate themselves from other men. Yes. Uh, they get jobs, they get houses, they get kids. I'm, I'm for all of that. I've got a house, a wife, a job and kids. I'm for all of it. But the problem is they start distancing themselves from other men. Uh, they start living in cubicles, driving to work, you know. And before long, they've only got rust friends. I'll ask a guy today, you know, who's your best friend? And he'll mention a guy who was in his wedding he hadn't talked to in five years. That's what psychologists call a rust friend, somebody you, you're not close to. I need guys right up in my life. I need guys watching me. I need guys who, who know me without me narrating my, my, my life to them. And that's what men are good at. You just have to put yourself in a position to be coached by other men. Tear down some of this hyper-privacy stuff. Tear down some of this pride and let other men who have a noble vision for manhood in general in your life in particular let them coach you and help you to your best and that's what you're doing that's what ryan's doing that's what eldridge is doing that's what i do uh we're trying to help a whole generation of men get to uh get to their best get to what god made them for and uh, and fix what's broke about manhood in our generation I really like John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. It's a really terrific book. It, it, it made a seminal difference for me in my life. You know, the point you make about men not having friends or having rust friends is very accurate. Never heard that phrase before. Thank you for sharing that with me. But I, Bill O'Reilly, the uh, political pundit, said that there was a study that was done recently that said that men today um, have an average of one friend, one friend. And in the eighties, they had an average of three friends and one out of every four men have no friends, no friends. I can't even imagine that. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I could go through a life without friends. And well, you know, I, I gotta I got tell you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't, yeah, didn't please, no, to interrupt. Can, can, they're here to well, hear from I, you, I mean, not from me. So go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. We're on the same team here. Well, uh, I know Bill, and I and I would like to know what study he's looking at because I would be surprised if the average man today, the average man, can even name one friend. They've done surveys where they ask men, um, 
who would you call if you were on a business trip out of town? It's three in the morning and your wife has a crisis. Who, who would you trust to go to your house at three in the morning and your wife's flitting around in a nightgown uh, and to handle a crisis, a broken pipe, a dog run away, a kid in trouble, whatever? Um, who would you send over to your house? The average man can't name anyone. Doesn't have anyone in his life that he would trust. Now, I will say to you, and I'm not bragging because I have made my mistakes in my life and I've gone through seasons where I only had rust friends. I've got dozens. My wife knows who to call if if something goes wrong and I'm and I'm because I'm often overseas, for example, given what I do. Um, surveys show the average man does not know who he would send to get his son out of jail. If the son got picked up for something at wee hours of the morning, the father's out of town on the business trip. You need that handled with integrity. You need to handle with skill. Who would you send? The average man can't name anybody. He can't. The average man today can't even name someone who inspires him to be his best. Someone who's not on television or remote. I'm talking about somebody flesh and blood in his life. So I'm, I'd be thrilled to know that the average guy today only has one friend. Uh, I don't even think it's that much. I don't even think it's that much. I think I think men are awash in a sea of casual relationships. Um, they don't know each other well. We tend to pull back from church, tend to pull back from the health club, tend to pull back from whatever sports that whatever connects us up to men. You know, again, it used to be it was a matter of survival that you had to be connected to other men. But now we don't need that. A guy literally can live in his isolated house, drive in his isolated car, work in his isolated cubicle or office, and never have meaningful connections to other men. And um, and so I I think this is one of the great crises. And I think we've got to we've got to teach skills that used to be fairly automatic. And that is how do you engage other men? How do you build relationships? I literally teach men how they can build relationships with other men because it's a skill that's been lost in our time. And by the way, I shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to do that, but we have to do it because it's been lost through the generations. Wow. Wow. That's really making me think, you know, I wrote a book a little while ago. Let me show you, show it to you. This is a business book that I wrote with the owner of BNI Canada and it's called the power of connecting, you know, how to activate profitable relationships by serving your network. But I'm thinking I should write a, second edition of this and talk about that issue in greater detail. Cause I touch on it in this book, but I think we can go into that issue in a lot greater detail. And it's something that is causing a lot of men today to not achieve what they're capable of achieving in life because doing it alone is the recipe for a mediocre life checkered by failure after failure. And one where, as Henry David Thoreau put it, you go through life leading a life of quiet desperation. Yeah, there's just no question about it. And I'll tell you what, I, I have the privilege of, I live in DC half the year. Uh, our firm consults with a lot of well-known and powerful people. Um, I'm not bragging, I'm making a point. And often when we help with their leadership crashes or, or meet with them to talk about problems in their lives, you're shocked to find out these, these well-known people, people you've seen on television, they, can't, they don't have a best friend. They don't have men in their lives. They are walking in loneliness. I mean, as you well know, that's why the male suicide rate is so high in the Western world. Right now in England, if you are 50 or older and you die, it's likely, statistically, if you haven't died of a heart problem, you've died of suicide. 
Suicide is so high that that's, it's the number two killer of men over 50. And when they do the postmortem to find out why it is that men uh, have killed themselves in almost every case, when they read the suicide notes, they do the psychological postmortem, what they find out is that men don't have other significant men in their lives. They, do, they, they just don't know how to do it. And we're talking about sometimes famous people, politicians, people on television. They all look like they just got all kinds of entourage, people around them. But they don't have when they, when they lay their head on their pillow at night, they've not had a significant conversation with another man. Uh, they, they've not they've not engaged with men meaningfully during the day. They got nobody checking on them. They've got no one making sure that the one glass of wine hasn't become a bottle. You know what I'm talking about? All the things our tendency that we can tend towards. And so uh, we we have got to teach men how to build bands of brothers around them. And there are practical steps that, uh, that 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 every every man can do, no matter how much of how shy or how much of an introvert he might be. And for some men, this is a matter of life and death. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know in detail your audience, but just statistically, there are men listening to us right now who have considered suicide in part because of isolation. I'm not judging your audience. I'm just saying statistically no, that's man, true. When I get it's not judgment, it's true. It's the truth. Yeah. When I get up and speak in front of 500 men, I say, guys, just statistically, uh, even if, you know, even if you got a lot of these things solved, statistically, if there are 500 men in this room, 100 men have considered suicide. Uh, 150 men are, are battling some addiction. I mean, these things are just true. And, and, and that's why we've got to teach guys how to build a, a meaningful band of brothers that's beyond just, hey, let's get a burger and talk, talk crap for an hour and call it done, you know? Warren Farrell, who I interviewed on my business podcast, actually, I should call him and bring him on this show. In his book, The Boy Crisis, talks about the fact that up until the age of nine, boys and girls commit suicide the same way. Now, in my mind, is people under the age of nine commit suicide? How's that even possible? Yes. But it, do, yeah. it does happen. But after the age of nine, the suicide rate among boys starts to climb exponentially compared to girls. And by the time they're That's 23 right. years old, it's six times that of young women, six times. And to me, that is the most damning indictment on how we've let our society attack men, attack boyhood, attack manhood, attack masculinity. And it's the reason, you know, I started this movement and I, I've come to a space where, you know, I've actually made a decision that I'm, I'm not here to compromise about this. And if there's people out there that don't agree with my message, good for them. But they're not, if they're looking for any compromise on my part, they're not going to get it. You know, because we need to stand up for men. We need to stand up for masculinity. We need to stand up for manhood. We need to teach men that being a man is a glorious and beautiful thing. Masculinity is what built the world. And that masculinity is what's going to allow the greatest system of human governance in world history, which is, you know, a liberal republic. I'm not going to say democracy very deliberately. A liberal republic based on free enterprise will not perish from this earth. Abraham Lincoln said it in one of his most famous speeches that the last best hope for mankind, government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from this earth. It is important that we do what we do for that reason. In my home country of Canada, okay, the prime minister decided that men, good men who were opposed to his political view on mandates were now terrorists because they dissented with his view. And he sent out um, armed soldiers in riot gear looking like Nazi thugs. I'm not saying they were Nazi thugs, but they sure as hell looked like Nazi thugs into 
crowds of unarmed protesters, women and, and old women. And there was, there was a video of, of, a, of a police horse, a one-ton police horse running over a 70-year-old woman with a rocker. And this is what the, the truckers stood up against. This is what we all need to stand up against. Because if we don't, if we had strong men right now, nobody would putting up with this. And a soy boy like Justin Trudeau would never be elected the leader of a major country anywhere. And nobody would allow this to happen. And shame on us for allowing it to happen. Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm talking about these days is that we not only need these bands of brothers and, and communities of men uh, for the sake of the men themselves, but for the sake of society as a whole. Given what's likely coming in the Western world, given some of the challenges and upheavals, given the incursions of government, all the things we're talking about right now. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm very moved by right now as we speak uh, is what's happening in the Ukraine. Uh, my father was an army officer. We lived in Berlin during the teen years. My father was a Russian linguist in special forces and, and combated, uh, you know, the Soviet Union and so on. And so it moves me. But, but what really moves me right now is the kind of manhood that's on the rise uh, in, in the Ukraine. I mean, Ukrainians who were elsewhere in Europe have begun, young men, have flooded back into the Ukraine to, to fight. fight the the Russian to fight the Russians and sometimes with with like you know Coke bottles filled with gasoline and soap you know make sure Molotov, Molotov cocktails, cocktails. homemade Molotov exactly. cocktails exactly because I mean, the Russians admitted them so here we're visiting it back on them but all that to say um, these guys are fighting now I'm not I'm trying to advocate violence I I, I'm a, I think we all want peace in the world but when a fight is necessary. Uh, you want to see noble manhood rising. And I got to tell you, this, this young, the young president, Zelensky, uh, is really modeling character and leadership uh, in that situation. And it's stunning that the Ukraine has, has they, haven't sure. they, they haven't completely uh, stopped the Russians in their tracks, but they have absolutely frustrated their uh, aspirations, kept them from taking over Kiev. And what is this? It's, it's, there are certainly noble women, but it's, it's noble manhood on the rise. Uh, rising to a crisis in that culture. And we're going to see the same kind of thing happen elsewhere in the world. And we're going to need bands of, uh, of men, noble bands, principled bands of men working together, uh, preserving society and standing against the tyrannies of this age. Amen and well said. You know, in, in, the mayor of Kiev is um, Vladimir Klitschko, who used to be the world heavyweight boxing champion. And he's taken up arms to defend his city. He's a multi-multi-millionaire. And Vasily Lomachenko, who I think is a lightweight boxer and also world champion, and you know some say possibly the greatest pound-for-pound pound boxer in history, has also <laughs> picked up a rifle. You know, enlisted in special forces. So it's a lot of Ukrainian boxing champions out there. You know that you think about it, and you know that 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 gladdens my heart. But I say, Eastern European nations did not have this same assault on manhood that the West did. And as a result, a lot of people from Eastern Europe, A, because they lived under communism, they're not taken in by the BS that the Marxist left is throwing out there at the rest of us. And B, they still believe in traditional masculinity. They still believe in, in, in honoring men in manhood. And it's a beautiful and wonderful thing to see. God bless the Ukrainians, you know, uh, and, and, and I wish yeah, them well in their fight. Absolutely. Really no, I, I'm, I'm with you. That's right. That's right. And along the way, let's learn from them. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for their victory, 
but let's also learn from them. I mean, there's real noble manhood going on there. Um, and I got I to tell you, you know, I don't want to hammer any particular group of people. But at this morning, I, was, I got up early, read all the news, watched all the news about the Ukraine. And then looked at some of the other Western news, and it all had to do with gender identity and binary and a queer person getting a Screen Actors Guild Award and, you know, for the first time. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I'm not, uh, you, you can imagine it since I'm a Christian, how I think about all those things, but it's more the cultural emphasis on them that I'm talking about right now. We're just preoccupied with these things. And I got to tell you, none of that's an issue in, 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 in Kiev right now. None of yeah. that's an issue in Ukraine. Uh, those things didn't make any difference there. Um, and if, if we, we may have these same kind of challenges here, we need to learn these lessons of, of noble manhood. Listen, um, I have all kinds of uh, respect for an individual who's grappling with those types of issues for themselves in a personal way. Uh, uh, one of my best friends um, growing up came out to me as gay and it was the most difficult thing for him. I knew it for years before he said anything to me. And he was afraid because I'm originally from Iran. I'm a Christian as well. And he said, you know, I thought, I thought you'd stop being friends with me, man. I said, you're, you're like my brother, man. I'm not going to stop being friends with you. <laughs> what, are you. What are you talking about? You know, you are who you are. God bless you. Um, and this fellow had such a difficult time in dealing with the fact that he was gay, that he, he, he went from being gay to being bi and, and just went back and forth and eventually killed himself over it. And none mm. of us knew, none of us knew that he was contemplating doing this. You know, um, I saw him a couple months before he killed himself. He lived in my, my, in my neck of the woods in my neighborhood. And I, I was so upset with myself for not seeing this. You know, um, this was a, a, a beautiful a soul. This was a handsome man, charismatic, fit, you know, smart, had had uh, had had real jobs, worked for himself at a business like this was a significant person. And this issue uh, messed him up, you know, and I and I, and I think it's a horrible thing that it did that. Uh, and, and there should definitely be a lot of um, resources made available to folks that are grappling with issues like this, any issues surrounding their mental health, to, to be perfectly honest with you, but to put it front and center and say, this is what our society is going to be all about, worshiping at the altar of making sure that no one who's a part of one of these groups feels bad about themselves. That's ridiculous. You're going to feel yeah, bad about yourself for all kinds, of, all kinds of reasons. And there's going to be people that aren't going to like who you are because of your sexuality, because of the color of your hair, because of the color of your skin, because of the way you dress, because of your accent, because of the fact that your voice is squeaky, because of the fact that your voice is deep, because you won't sleep with them when they want you to sleep with them. I mean, that's just called life. And these right. soft snowflakes need to get over themselves because if they don't, the Ruskies and the Chinese communists are going to come here and they're going to send their tough, battle-hardened, masculine men into our cities and we're not going to have enough strong men to deal with them. You know, on the back of my shirt is, is a poem by Jeff Michael Hopp, which goes something like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. We're definitely in the hard times phase of, of the stanzas of that poem right now. And we need to wake up what's happening in Ukraine. To me, Newt Gingrich said that it signals the end of the post-World War II order 
which is one that's been characterized by relative peace, not absolute peace, but relative peace. Right, right. now, we're seeing violent dictators and violent dictatorships taking action to take over countries. And this really hasn't happened in a big way since Hitler until now. And if the Ukraine loses this fight and the West doesn't do enough, it's my opinion that the Chinese communists are gonna invade Taiwan. And that's a problem. That's a real problem because there's gonna be a line in the sand. And unfortunately, the person who is the leader of the free world right now, President Asterix, he is not ready to handle any of these things. And, um, you know, this is my opinion, but the people that voted for that man owe the world an apology because that man right now is leading us down a path that could get billions of people killed overnight. Well, there's no question. I mean, one of the principles since we're talking mainly about masculinity, there's no question that weakness begets weakness. Weakness invites tyranny. Weakness encourages evil. And there's no question that the U.S. exit from Afghanistan signaled weakness to the world. And immediately, Putin began to mobilize. And immediately, the Chinese began to engage in greater incursions in Taiwan. I agree with you. Uh, I think depending on how we handle this Ukrainian crisis, we are very likely to see uh, China move on Taiwan. And while uh, we've done a lot to support Taiwan, there's not a whole lot we can do if they just engage in a whole scale uh, invasion. You know, but it's an it's an island, of, you know, 100 miles off the coast of China. Uh, but I think we will see that. And a if lot that of that happens because if that happens yeah. in the current pres occupant of the White House, because I can't bring myself to call him a president because I don't see him as a president. But if the current occupant of the White House uh, is having a bad day and he decides, OK, give me the football when you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let me push sure. these, these 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 little funny buttons. We got a real problem. Yeah, we may already have that problem with Putin as it is now. He's already set his nuclear forces on alert. So, yeah, I, th I think we've got to realize that in the same way that weakness in a man signals evil uh, to to rush on in, the same thing happens in foreign policy. And that's what's going on in the world right now. So, we, we you know, there's a, there's you're making a good point. There's no question there's a connection between the manhood we're encouraging in the souls of men and how that then is reflected in the life of a culture, the life of a society, in our foreign policy, uh, in our armed forces, and how we position ourselves in the world. There's a direct connection. There is a direct connection. There's no question about it. And you know, along with you, uh, Stephen, I'm, 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 I'm going to ask you something that I haven't ever done on a podcast before, but will, will you pray with me since we're both Christians for the world? Certainly. Because I think Certainly. that before we end, let's end with a prayer. Um, and let's ask God to, uh, to guide the people that are in positions of power to you. Absolutely. Would you like for me to voice that prayer? I would like for you to voice that prayer, please. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We know that you've heard this conversation. We know that you hear the cry of our hearts. We cry out for manhood in our generation. We want to see men fulfill what you have created them to be, shake off the weakness and the addictions and the small thinking, and the deformities of this age, and take hold of the purposes that you, for which you have created manhood, good and pure and powerful and noble and transforming and protecting and launching of the next generation and standing for righteousness in our time. And we hold before you, Ukraine, we ask, Father, that these noble patriots, many, many of them doing what they do for your glory, will withstand this wicked incursion 
uh, will be able to resist these forces of domination. And that, Father God, we will see great victories and righteousness reign. We pray that you'll put steel and righteousness and a moral vision in the hearts of those who lead us in this country uh, and to do the same amongst governments around the world. I ask for this podcast to continue to grow. I ask for this great man who leads this podcast to continue to be of influence. And I pray that you'll cause us to turn noble manhood in our generation so that we see a great movement of greatness arise among the men of our time. And it's in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Now, You're so welcome, my friend. That was, that was brilliant. Great way to cap things off here. Stephen, um, how do folks get in touch with you, engage with your work, and what do you want them to know and engage with first? Uh, log on to stephenmansfield.tv to track anything about me personally in my life, speaking, writing, all that kind of thing. But uh, our work for men is Great Man, greatman.tv, the Great Man podcast, all, all of it on all the channels that everybody knows about, easy to find. And um, I would say get Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, dive into that. Most recent book is Men on Fire, and uh, that'll start the journey. I'm going to pick me up a copy of Men on Fire. I really enjoyed Mansfield's book of Manly Men. I just love the title of that book. I just saw that. I said, I got to buy this book. And I, I bought it and I devoured it. I said, okay, I like this guy. I got I to I gotta get to know him. And you graciously came on my, my business show. But I'll definitely get this book. And, you know, we, we lead a program called the Sovereign Circle. And inside the Sovereign Circle, we, we meet twice a month, um, we have men right now from all over Canada and the United States, and we've got a curriculum, including a reading list. And I'd like to put some of your books on, on the reading list because leaders right. are readers, and it's important to read books about uh, how to be the best version of yourself and the man today in 2022. The world needs it more than ever. God bless you, and God bless the work that you do. Um, let me know how I can help. If uh, You're very kind. Very kind. Thank you there's people that you would like to be introduced to. I don't know if there's some other podcasters I know that you would like to get on and be able to approach their audiences. I'm happy to do that for you. Um, please give that a bit of thought and let me know what I can do because I'd very much like to do that, okay? Very kind, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on the air. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. We'll catch you next All time. Right. Take care. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.